Window World is proud to present Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Simply the best for less at windowskansascity.com. It doesn't get a whole lot better than this weekend of football as the Kansas City Chiefs have completely taken control of the AFC West and now likely full control of the AFC. That's right. The Chiefs are the only team in the AFC with a 6-1 and one record now. They're being chased by the Ravens, the Jaguars, and the Dolphins. The Bills are imploding. The Bengals have not gotten on track this year. And suddenly, this looks easier than ever for the Kansas City Chiefs to do what they've done pretty much every year. That is, win the division and play the AFC title game at home. That's what Patrick Mahomes does. And so the Chiefs are on track for that. 424 yards from Mahomes, four touchdowns in a relatively easy 31-17 win over the Chargers. A couple of things happen in this game that when they happen, the Chiefs are going to win. First thing is, the Chiefs didn't give up a point in the second half of the game. The defense got two interceptions and five sacks. The entire world is talking about Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Kelsey with a crazy day, 179 yards and a touchdown. And seemingly, the Chargers, who are in the Chiefs division and play against Travis Kelsey twice a year, just found out that he's pretty good and you need to put two guys on him. It looked so simple and easy as the Chiefs went up and down the field in the first half. Adjustments were made. The game was completely different in the second half, but the Chiefs were better at that style of ball, too. The second half was a defensive battle, and the Chiefs' defense was the better of the two defense. They showed us all in one game exactly why they can beat anybody in any style of game. In the shootout, the Chiefs won the first half by seven points. In a defensive struggle, they won the second half by seven points. The Kansas City Chiefs can flat do it all, and it is setting up beautifully for them to make a run and return to the Super Bowl. Stan Weber will join us in just a few minutes. We'll talk about the entire AFC, and the Eagles moved to 6-1 and one by holding the Miami Dolphins offense to just 10 points on Sunday night. The 49ers get a chance to go to 6-1 and one on Monday night when they play against the Minnesota Vikings. Stan has all that, and college football as well. Kansas State, a remarkable beatdown of TCU, 41-3 in one of the more dominant games of the entire weekend. I mean, it's crazy. I've always said my entire career, if you have two running backs, you don't have one. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Kansas State has two quarterbacks. One of them has won the Big 12 and had the number two QBR in America this week for his performance, three-touchdown performance against TCU. And then the, the freshman, Avery Johnson, plays nearly half the game. And he was the number six-rated quarterback in, in all of college football this week. Crazy what's going on at Kansas State. They get Houston this week, 11 o'clock on Saturday, then a big matchup against Texas. We'll see how it goes with their tandem at quarterback. Missouri, wow, uh, it's their defense stepping up. A ridiculous performance against South Carolina. Six sacks for the Mizzou defense of Spencer Rattler. The Tigers controlled this game all day long. Cody Schrader ate him up on the ground with 159 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Mizzou now gets a bit of a rest before they take on Georgia. And yes, we know Missouri can play with Georgia because they did it last year. Will it be easy? Does that guarantee anything? No. We'll get Stan's thoughts on the Missouri-Georgia matchup mattering more than any Missouri game has in years and years and years. Mizzou is rolling. This is getting very, very exciting. Kansas this week hosts Oklahoma. I like KU in this game, and I think everybody at that point in the Big 12, if KU wins, will have a loss, and it's going to be a wild tiebreaker scenario in the Big 12. We'll get Stan's thoughts and a couple of dramatic baseball games in the American League and National League Championship Series. It's all straight ahead on KKHI, brought to you by Cross Kitchens, Kansas City's remodeler. Now offering free granite countertops. If you call and make an appointment to sit down with Tim Cross and get a bid worked out on what your project may be, 816-898-7047. This offer does not last forever. If you've been hesitating on remodeling, if you've been waiting for the right time because you know it's quite an investment in your home, you will save thousands and thousands of dollars if you schedule this right now with Cross Kitchens. Last time he offered this, he offered it for about four weeks. We're in week three of this promotion. As soon as the schedule fills up, it's going to be gone. Make the appointment, no obligation and no commitment required, okay? CrossKitchensKC.com or 816-898-7047 if you're interested in free 
granite countertops. Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC in Excelsior Springs is home of the lifetime warranty. If you're looking for a Chevrolet or GMC, Roberts Robinson is your go-to dealer. My man Tim Trader's on the showroom floor, and he'd love to work with you, your family, or your business, maybe about a fleet of trucks for your business. RobertsRobinson.com is the website, or visit them at Excelsior Springs. Don't forget their wonderful service department will service your car, regardless of whether it's a GM car or not. They'll even pick it up, service it, and bring it back to you. 816-826-1563 for service appointments at robertsrobinson.com. And the Chiefs won on Sunday. That means Tickets for Less is offering $31 off your next Chiefs ticket order. Use the promo code CHIEFSWIN. That's right. The Chiefs scored 31 points against the Chargers. So now you save $31 on your Chiefs tickets. Go to, it's only good for 24 hours. So it ends Monday. If you're listening to this later on Tuesday or whatever, it ends Monday. It's a 24-hour promotion after the Chiefs win. However many points the Chiefs score, you save that dollar amount on your Chiefs ticket order. Go to ticketsforless.com and use the promo code CHIEFSWIN. Also, use the promo code KKHI. You never know. Sometimes it could save you more. So you got two promo codes right now for your Chiefs tickets. Or if you want to get tickets to Athens and go see Missouri play in Georgia, or maybe K-State, Houston on Saturday, Oklahoma's coming to Lawrence. Get your tickets, ticketsforless.com, promo code KKHI. Appreciate them greatly. All right, Stan Weber's with us. Let's do it. We got a football feast after a great weekend of double-digit wins. Hit it! Sports, politics, life. Back Nine Development presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Online at back9development.com. Well, he's my eyes and ears all weekend long. Stan Weber joins us to talk about everything that went well for a pigskin weekend for all our local teams where they were kind of lopsided. Double-digit wins everywhere, easy wins for K-State and Missouri. And Stan, the Chiefs have pretty much locked up the division after a dominating performance against the Chargers. How are you, sir? Doing well. Amazing that it's happened already, but the Chargers just don't know how to win. Brandon Staley, the head coach, is not so much making mistakes every game on fourth down and with analytics, but he's a defensive guru, and their defense never plays well. They don't make winning plays, and they have no confidence now that Herbert can even pull it out. So it's just when are they going to lose? They're on a short week, too. It's hard when you lose a Monday night game at home against Dallas when there's more Dallas Cowboy fans at the game than yours. Then you've got to fly to Kansas City, and they have a rest from the previous Thursday night. So I, I thought... It was Chiefs all the way, even if the score was fairly close. They never trailed. They had complete control of the game, and they have now separated from the Chargers tremendously. I mean, the Chargers are the second-best team in the AFC West, but they're not even in the same league. Not just how they're going to function, but look at the records. So, yeah, I, unbelievably, I think the Chiefs are going to win the division, and we can say it now. Okay, so help me out here, Stan. What exactly did these teams do at halftime to completely change the complexion of this game? The Chiefs went out and went up and down the field. It looked like Mahomes might throw for 500 yards in this game. Kelsey was on his way to two-something. And it isn't that they weren't good in the second half, but the Chiefs win the game. I'm sorry, the Chiefs win the second half, 7 nothing is all, after an absolute score fest in the first half. Something must have been done. I kept commenting to Jessica. I said, Kelsey's doing nothing special. He's just taking 12, yard, 12 steps down the middle of the field, turning around, and he's wide open. I don't know what the hell the Chargers were doing, but adjustments had to be made because you can't, just go to the locker room for 12 minutes and completely change a game, can you? What what exactly happened at halftime that completely changed this game? Well, the play sheets have everything on them. They're really long, so you don't have to invent plays. You just got to call them differently, give a few little keys. Kelsey was killing them uh, over the middle, so they had to say, let's pick our poison and let's do some doubling of Travis Kelsey. Uh, they wanted to keep their safeties back and make the Chiefs throw underneath, but they couldn't let that happen with Kelsey being open, so they tried to do that. And then he's got a turnover, you know, just at the right time where it made it seem like the defenses were better. There was a little bit of movement. So for the Chiefs, Abenihu um, is a big-time pass rusher that they got in there, Kevin, to get things going as well. He got rolling better in the second half. Uh, they knew what they wanted to do. How about when they had Chris Jones and him on the same side of the field and bringing on the heat? There was just little the Chargers offensive line could do. So just little adjustments. Uh, Herbert helped. Uh, the Chiefs with their adjustments by just missing a couple of plays. And that's what he's done this year. 
Uh, early in the game, he threw some strikes that were incredible, accurate, and throws that very few people in the NFL can make. He and Josh Allen, maybe. You throw it with a rifle speed uh, a long ways down the field with a flick of the wrist. But uh, he missed a guy. Think about that turnover that occurred down there. On the first play in the in the around the ten yard line, he had a guy wide open, just lofted up to the middle of the end zone, easy touchdown, and they're tied with the Chiefs. So it was a little bit of Herbert making mistake. Uh, the Chiefs defense getting Menahue going a little bit. I thought Nick Bolton. Uh, you know how much I like him. I thought he was rusty last game in this game. I thought they were running up the middle too much, and he was not there with the big boy shoulder pads. That started to end in the second half before he got injured. Uh, he started getting in the holes and looking like himself. And that cleans up stuff. Because when they tried to hand off to Eckler and he gets busted right at the line of scrimmage, that put even more pressure on the passing game. So, you know, slight adjustments here and there, breakdowns with the Chargers, that's what they do. A breakdown here or there. And the Chiefs uh, seeing that the Chargers go, okay, we're not going to let Travis catch every pass that he wants to. This is not a Taylor Swift, you know, party or something. Uh, just to let him have record-breaking catches. And, that forced the Chiefs to go other directions. And so they did, you know, but they took their time and they knew they had the game. You know, the Chiefs are playing fundamental football, situational football, and that means you don't have to go as fast and score as many points when you have complete control of the game. Okay, so we could talk about stats all day long with the Chiefs. Mahomes throws for 424 and four touchdowns. Everybody knows that. Kelsey with a big day, 12 catches, 179 and a touchdown. But I think what stands out to me watching the Chiefs play the Chargers and I just I do think Justin Herbert has now become the most overhyped player in the league. I think it, I think it moves from one quarterback to another. Generally, I think Baker Mayfield for a couple of years was a hyped guy, and it, it's never really panned out. He's okay. He's still starting in the league. He's an NFL caliber quarterback. But to me, it's just Justin Herbert. I'm, I'm I, I mentioned to you last week. I'm tired of hearing about him, seeing him. We've watched the Chiefs just beat this guy up and this team up. And Brandon Staley's not a great head coach. I get all that, but you know the Chiefs make plays. All right, they're so much better. These are division games now. How Kelsey goes off like he did in a division game is beyond me. You know the opponent as well as you do, or the Chargers should know the Chiefs. But the Chiefs make four or five plays a game that other teams just don't make. And yes, it's a game. The NFL is certainly a game of just a few plays inside of a game that determine a game. But my goodness, Patrick Mahomes with the floaty little touchdown pass in the back of the end zone was one of the greatest touch passes I've seen all year. The scrambling out, chucking it downfield, you know, finding uh, Marquez Valdez scampling, scampling for a touchdown. The things that he does that nobody else does really stand out when the Chiefs are playing the Chargers. Am I exaggerating that too much? And do we take too much of this just for granted? No, you're not at all. Uh, I just want to point out Russell Wilson was in there a little while too when you're thinking about who's not playing at the level that they used to have the credit for. So here we go. He, he may be handing it off to Herbert right now. Yeah, the difference, part of Herbert's questions and things that he doesn't do are the fact that we watch just the next possession, Patrick Mahomes do incredible things. This year, Kevin, he is doing way above and beyond great. He is running the football. He's basically the Chiefs' most lethal runner. He has the most yards, and he gains those yards only when they need it. He could run every down, but he chooses to run when it's third and 15 backed up. They're going to have to punt. The Chargers finally can get back in this game, and he runs for a first down. His scrambling for touchdowns separate the game, but those were scrambles for touchdowns, just like you said. The first touchdown is, what, 48-yarder? That should have just been an incomplete pass or a sack. And then he turns it into a touchdown pass. And then in the back of the end zone, right before the half, he throws another touchdown pass. And he's scrambling and moving, and uh, I don't know if people are taking it for granted. I'm not necessarily thinking that they are, but maybe you should because this year, 2023, he's doing it week after week after week after his receivers quit dropping a ball on week one. Uh, I, I think he won the game, Kevin. I, the defense is better for the Chiefs, and there's a lot of reasons to think the Chiefs are a good football team across the board and different than they've been. But still, his receiving core, other than Travis Kelsey, is not up to par and he's making him look fine. He had 400 yards passing in the first half, and it was mostly on his shoulders of what he did, what he saw, and what he created. It's amazing. All right, so the defense of the Chiefs was spectacular as well. Two interceptions and five sacks in this game. They didn't give up a point in the second half. That's always going to win for the Chiefs, by the way. That, it, you are never beating the Chiefs if you throw two interceptions, you get sacked five times, 
and you never score in the second half. That's it. I, it's just it's never going to happen. The Chiefs are always going to win that football game. So there was a time, and it, it just looked to me, you, you tell me if, if this was the vibe you were getting. There was a time in the first half where it looked like the Chiefs weren't going to stop the Chargers. And I didn't think they got much pressure on Herbert. He seemed to have a pretty clean pocket and was kind of picking the Chiefs apart, making some throws, and looked pretty good. Then when the pressure just became more and more, and maybe it's because the Chiefs constantly had a lead in this game and and kept the Chargers you know, behind the eight ball, when they really started to get pressure on Herbert, it got easy. The sacks came, the interceptions came, and the defense just looked great. How do you assess how they played the entire game? Because there was a stretch where it looked like the defense wasn't playing very well, but overall, a terrific. You know, you sit there and you hold the Chargers 17 points, you take it every time. If you start studying the game, we go back and do these things. Divisional foes play closer games. The underdogs stick to the, clo- the the favorite team closer in those type of games. There's just something about it. They're not intimidated. They have a plan that's going to stick through all the way through. They played twice a year. Uh, they, I said last week on your podcast, I think the Chargers like playing in Arrowhead more than they do at home. That place is different, and the opponent's fans come in and fill the place up like it's a museum. Go, let's go to L.A. Let's party, and let's fill up the Chargers fans. And the original Chargers fans are in San Diego, and they hate L.A. It's like their rival. They don't want to go up there. So I think that they always put their best performance in Kansas City. When you see the Chiefs, you're going to get your adrenaline flowing, and you're going to have to concentrate to your best. And then you go and attack and say, Let, let's go. And that's when Herbert becomes valuable because you can stop him on first and second down. And if he throws one good pass, Kevin, he gained 10 yards like no big deal. And he fires the ball between defenders. And the thing they also got a chance to do is balance their offense with the run game. I'll go back to Nick Bolton. He was not a, a big factor in stopping the running game like he normally does. Again, I think coming off injury, I've done it before. You're not yourself for a little while. I thought in the last couple of games, he's not stopped the run, got the right gap as efficiently as he does, as predictably. And therefore, the Chargers were able to get some balance in the offense and run the football. But when you just keep grinding and grinding, Marty Schottenheimer said it about the Raiders. They will make a mistake sometime. And you have to believe that the Chiefs just said, let's get a little bit better. Don't worry if they're moving the ball down. We still have the lead. And at some point, they'll start feeling the pressure. The crowd will be unbelievable. They started getting penalties, right? Movement penalties, things like that. Herbert rushing the ball. He overthrew a guy that was open for a touchdown that could have tied the game. What was that, late third quarter? It could have been a game, Kevin. Mm -hmm. It could have been. But the Chiefs are so good at saying, well, you overthrew that one. Big mistake because we might get our hands up, knock the ball up in the air and get a turnover. You might not even get three points, but you're definitely not tying us on this possession. And we still have game control with Patrick Mahomes playing great. So I just think, you know, it unfolded. The Chargers gave it a great shot, uh, had a good plan, have a quarterback who can do things. He doesn't have to be completely consistent. One good play out of three will sometimes work and get things moving. I think they love playing in Kansas City. If you go back and watch Charger games all year, all 17 or 18, if they get in the playoffs and lose, you look at those games and the best they play is Arrowhead. So they did that. The Chiefs just stayed ahead, kept doing things. And, you know, the times that the Chiefs had to punt, I thought, okay, here you go. The Chargers are going to get the offense going. They know the Chiefs' defense. They know how to bait them in the new stuff. They can get down the field, make a couple plays, and tie this thing up. And instead, the Chiefs defense said, uh, we're punting, but we're going to stop you and force you to punt as, as well. And at the end, like you said, Kevin, the Chargers weren't even getting first downs. Amazingly, they had kind of run out of ideas and confidence and belief. And I think belief's a big thing because Justin Herbert is now old enough that when you say he may be the biggest disappointment or someone you can't count on, Kevin, before that was like unfair criticism of him. He's a young quarterback. He's not surrounded with as good of players. He has a new coach. He came from Oregon where he had a rap that he wasn't enough of a leader. He wasn't vocal enough. Don't be putting that on him as a pro. Well, now, Kevin, we're looking at a guy who's doing national commercials with Patrick Mahomes. He kind of knows it's time for me to play my cards. It's time for me. And I think the doubt that we've been seeing on the sideline from him is starting to creep in. If you go back and watch the video the last couple of years when they show him on the sideline, he's almost dumb. Like California cool, doesn't even know what the scoreboard is. Like, okay, whatever Patrick does is fine. Tell me when I get to go out and play, and he go play. But don't you look down that he has a sincere focus on the game and almost like a pain in his face, like, uh-oh, I don't know if our defense is going to stop him, and I sure don't think that I'm going to be the guy that goes out and wins this thing right now. He did that against the Dallas Cowboys on Monday. 
and he did it again. So I watched these two games so closely. Herbert missed open guys, and that's why Dallas won. Herbert missed an open guy. It should have been an easy touchdown against the Chiefs. That was the last straw to break the camel's back uh, with a turnover coming right after that. You know, he, I think, understands with these national commercials and time to hang out with these quarterbacks like they do on set and golf tournaments and so forth, I think he realizes you better win, and he's not doing it. So there's, I think, big doubts in his mind. Look at the record, Kevin. Their record's bad. It's not good, it's, darn it's, it. We're, you know, shucks, we haven't kept up with the Chiefs. They're threatening not making the playoffs. We're, we're in an era of owners overpaying quarterbacks that are clearly not going to win a Super Bowl. It is amazing how close the salaries are for guys like Justin Herbert and, you know, you know, big, big money quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson, the money they're paying him. Big money quarterbacks Dak, of Dak guys. Prescott. Dak yeah, Prescott. They're all getting paid. They're all just getting rich. Russell Wilson in Denver, my goodness. All of this money they're paying these quarterbacks, and you know it's not going to work. And I, I just want to be one of these guys. I, I'm, you know, I feel like weekly we bash them a little bit for their play, but my God, do I admire them. I want to get to a point in my career where I just get overpaid to not win. I just want that in the worst possible way. These quarterbacks, it's remarkable how many teams are out there just throwing money at guys that you know are not going to get the job done. That's one of the problems that I have with the modern NFL. Last night, Tua played against Jalen Hurts. Okay, You know the Alabama background between those two? Yeah. Same room, competition, but yet took turns helping win national championships. You know the whole story. So, game pregame comes, and everyone assumes that since you go out early in pregames with shorts on now, Kevin. You know, Peyton Manning taught us that. He went out and did a full workout with some of his receivers before the game, and now everybody goes out, sits around, talks to people, warms up on their own, throws some passes, whatever. That's how the NFL does it now. They don't just come out 45 minutes before the game in, in, the, in their uniforms, you know, tell, having the coaches tell them, stretch here, stretch here. I'm telling you this, Kevin, because when – Last night's game occurred. Jalen Hurts did not go say hi to Tua. He did not. And they asked him. Melissa Stark asked him, are you going to go say hi? You know, obviously you're going to. Every quarterback does in the NFL. There's relaxed time an hour and a half before the game. You're hanging around on the field. Why wouldn't you? Everyone does it. He says, no, I never go shake hands with the other quarterback. Kevin, that's the old school. Okay. That's Daryl LaMonica saying, I need to beat Lynn Dawson. They used to want to beat an the other team and take it personally. What I don't like about the NFL the last 15 years is each of these quarterbacks are so overpaid. They're an exclusive market that winning has nothing to do with their status in the money world or what kind of car they have or what country club. Hey, Kevin, come over to my country club. Well, I'm not embarrassed because you win Super Bowls and I don't because my pay is exactly the same as yours. Right. My country club is just as cool. So these guys have turned into corporations who don't care about winning. I joke about this and I've done it with you over the years. After each series, how many NFL quarterbacks do you see hand their helmet to some handler and put on a baseball cap? Yep. Put on a baseball cap so like they don't see your sweaty hair. Like if you look at me on the sideline, I'm an image. How can I can't even imagine, Kevin, thinking about that kind of thing if I were a player. I couldn't imagine it. I'd be Jalen Hurts. I would be locked and loaded for those three hours thinking of every possible way of winning during the game, talking to a coach, relaxing going over plays in my head, looking at the iPad, whatever, it would be all focused. I would not have time to say, oh, make sure I get my hat on and you go take my helmet. And then after the game, they all run to the middle of the field like head coaches have done throughout history. Head coaches run out and shake hands. If you're the offensive coordinator, you don't have to shake anybody in particular's hand, Kevin. There's not that unwritten rule, right? You just do whatever. But the head coach always shakes the hand of the other head coach and the quarterback's always come together at the end of the game. And if you listen to what they do and you see their body language, they're all smiling and they're going rich guy to rich guy. Heck, that was a heck of a game. I know you won by three. I'm happy for you. Hopefully we'll get you next time. Then they say things like Patrick says to Tom Brady and Brady says to Patrick, go get him next week. You know, go get him next week. These, these are corporations running around, Kevin, that they are the leaders of your team. If you lead to be one of those quarterbacks, I usually stick up for them to be like one of the best 32 in the world. It's something that everyone wants to be good at. But I will tell you, it has kind of blown my mind when the money started flowing their way, and they got treated more like owners or co-head coaches yeah. than players. This, all this stuff, I, I want Jalen. Don't put your help, you know. Don't put your little hat on and worry about that. 
and he just puts the stocking cap on and gets back to work. And before the game, he has no interest in talking to the guy across the field. Because you know what he wants to do? Beat he wants you. to beat him. Yeah, he wants to he's win. Hurts is overachieving, Kevin. He's a good quarterback, but he's not as good as he's been in the NFL. You know why? They're letting him have that gap. Because Herbert didn't have to win. He didn't go back and, and just almost bloody his hand, emotionally shaking Patrick Mahomes' hand. Like, I do not want to shake your hand and lose to you. I'm a failure, and I, and I don't want to eat. I just, I, can, I cannot take this. No, they're smiling and shaking hands. Good job, Patrick. Great game again. Go get the next one. You know, see you down the road. Hey, don't forget my golf tournament. You're coming to my golf tournament right in June. Oh, yeah, okay, let's go. It, it kind of makes me sick. And uh, I, I just see, if you got a quarterback that has a fire and demands they're going to win, oh, I know a guy. 15, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. That we, guy wants to win, Kevin. We, he doesn't want to beat those other quarterbacks in the middle. He didn't want to meet Tom Brady and just say, ah, oh, you know, good game. It burned him to lose. And that's why he over, you know, that's one of the reasons why he wins. All right, let's talk about these other teams in the AFC then. The past couple of years, Dan, we've, we've gone every week. Hey, is it the Bills? Is it the Bengals? So I, I want to stay away from them for this discussion. The Chiefs are 6-1. and one. They're the only team 6-1 and one in the AFC. So they're the one seed as of today. The Ravens look terrific on Sunday, but we're just a couple of weeks removed from Lamar Jackson throwing three interceptions and actually losing a game for his team. The Jaguars are a good team. The Chiefs have already experienced that. And the Dolphins are 0-2 against teams with winning records. And they only scored 10 points against Philadelphia on Sunday night. What's the threat here in the AFC? If we're, if we're afraid of one team becoming the one seed, and, or one team that you think could become the one seed, and the Chiefs would eventually have to go there in the playoffs, which team are you looking at? Which team do you fear? Because it, look, it looks easy right now. I mean, this, this, <laughs> the conference looks easier than it has the last few years. Am I misreading it? No, you're not, uh, because you're advancing to a conversation that you got to win your division, and you got to be good in regular season. It matters in the NFL. So we care about that. I mean, you and I both care about that. We're not like the national media trying to anoint the Heisman Trophy winner at this point. You know, who's going to win? No, we're not trying to do that. But the reality is, if you really do believe you're good enough to be in the Super Bowl, then you do look at the other teams because the one seed is the only one that gets a buy. You get home field advantage, you know, those, those kind of things. There are certain teams that are dangerous, that they play really well, can match up and have a day where they can beat the Chiefs. And those teams fit in certain categories, and we talk about them. Uh, Baker Mayfield's Cleveland Browns a few years ago, Kevin, were like that. They fought very hard in Arrowhead. Jacksonville last year, after they beat the Chargers, I said, take note. You better play this game. They're growing up, and they're not as intimidated as they were. And obviously, I told you, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, when Cincinnati got through some of his injuries and really started playing their better football, I go, that's the real deal right there. You always had to say, in the last five years, Buffalo. With Josh Allen, a pretty good defense, the record they were posting, dominating their division. Uh, but Buffalo is not that team right now. They're struggling to win every week, Kevin. And yeah, they could turn it on, but they've just fell into the dangerous category. Buffalo has moved themselves down to like a Jacksonville. Okay? Uh, the teams you could always count on to be scary to be that in the playoffs, you knew you were going to have to play great. And still, it may not be enough, has always been the Pittsburgh Steelers with Mike Tomlin because his coaching is elite. And then Bill Belichick in New England and Tom Brady. So no matter what the records were, whoever got the home field advantage, I'd say if those two are in the playoffs, Kevin, you're going to play at AFC Championship. It's going to be off the charts. It's going to be so hard. But those two teams, New England's not even going to make it. But if Pittsburgh does, it's going to be barely. They'll only be dangerous. So my category of dangerous teams is that first game the Chiefs play in the playoffs, the first game they play at home, you're going to say they're big favorites. But there is some danger that that other team is going to fight and claw, make it an NFL game, and if the Chiefs make a mistake, they could lose. That's where we're filling all these teams' name up, Kevin. You want another category. You're like, no, who's the new Buffalo Bills? Who's the Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals you've been talking about, Stan? Who's that team this year? And I go, Jacksonville had a chance to be that, but I don't. I think they're too much in a developmental stage. They may be the answer to your question. I don't think the Bengals' schedule lays out well enough and Joe Burrow's not healthy enough to be a Super Bowl-level team at the end of this year. They are, they are a dangerous one. Kevin, if they start winning and make the playoffs, they'll take to it very well and be really hard to beat. Unlike Baltimore, who could play some really good regular season games, and you know you can't rely on them in the playoffs. Lamar Jackson's not going to do it. 
You know it, Kevin. And you saw him even in a regular season. He went off yesterday against Detroit, but he doesn't do that every week. He's up and down all over the field, doesn't use his running ability enough. So I agree with you. I look around, and that's my big question. Like, who is the most dangerous team? Do we really believe in Jacksonville? They're the one that could take the flag like Cincinnati did a few years ago when they weren't considered that elite. You know, I was talking to you about Joe Burrow, but we weren't able to advance them. Like, yeah, they'll be in the AFC Championship game, or they'll even go to the Super Bowl. Jacksonville is the team, the up-and-coming team, Kevin. Trevor Lawrence is quarterback who's getting it done now. Peterson is a coach that knows how to win, and they got a couple of good wins. The Chiefs just totally dominated them in the first game. But again, I think Jacksonville will use that when they come to Arrowhead, if they play in the AFC Championship game, and, and be more dangerous. But the word is dangerous. No one can play a three-game series against the Chiefs and win two of them. Nobody in the AFC. And they can't, Kevin. It's just, there's not scary teams out there. Oh, They're it's... not playing that well. You, you can do the Eagles, the Niners. Talk to me about some NFC teams that can play with the Chiefs every down, all day long, but it's not in the AFC. Not with Buffalo leaking oil so badly, Kevin, for the second straight year. Yeah, and the Chiefs, and clearly we're watching the Chiefs. They're just getting better. They're getting better and better every week. And, and, and they I'll, have a defense. Like, I, we didn't even count on having a defense. I know, defense. Buddy, and I've, I've said this repeatedly, because <laughs> I believe in the defense now. I believe the defense can step up and win games for the Chiefs, and they haven't really been that team with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. It's a whole different level. I don't, I don't know who's going to beat the Chiefs. I'll just be honest with you. I, I, look, I, I think the Eagles are terrific. I think the 49ers are terrific. But the Chiefs have a record of beating those teams, too. And now they have a defense. So I, I just, it, knock wood, it's a long season. A lot of things can happen. Injuries can pile up. But, my goodness, the arrow is pointing upward for the Chiefs right now, and it just looks fantastic. All right, we're going to move on and talk a little college football with Stan, brought to you by our friends at the Finch Knife Company. Keep life from getting dull with a Finch pocket knife this holiday season. There's somebody on your list that would love one. Online at finchknifeco.com or visit their case of beautiful pocket knives at Shields in Overland Park. Advanced medical imaging, see what's inside. Why would you... Wait six weeks to get an MRI. If your doctor says you need to get a scan, get it done today or tomorrow at Advanced Medical Imaging, online at medimageks.com. If you're 40 or older, you might want to consider getting the heart scan and find out what your plaque score is. It's out of pocket, but it's under 100 bucks, and you can get great peace of mind from our friends at Advanced Medical Imaging, online at medimageks.com. And, of course, me and Stan's buddy, Ron Buck, over at Buck Roofing, and now Buck Disposal. If you ever need a giant container, disposal container, for a remodel project or work sites that you routinely have, Ron Buck's had those his whole career. And he's found that the companies that do it aren't very reliable. So he started his own company to service his roofing business and your business too. Online at buckdisposal.com or call 913-242-7695. All right, Stan, we'll start with Kansas State. You had the call of Manhattan against TCU in a, an absolute beatdown. Maybe the best line in college football this weekend was K-State coach Chris Kleiman after the game when he was asked by the reporter on the field, uh, how do you assess, how did it work out going with two? Because playing two quarterbacks in football is always a bad thing. It's always been a bad thing. This is the only time I can ever remember it's not a bad thing. This is working. This is the right thing to do. And he said, well, and he, he looked around the reporter's shoulder. He looked at the scoreboard. He goes, uh, 41 to three. I'd say it went pretty well. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, I got a stat for you. You may or may not know this one, Stan. They do the total QBR of every college football quarterback each weekend. And they rank them one through 100 or whatever. The number two QBR in the country this week was Will Howard. The number six QBR was Avery Johnson. They had two of the top six most efficient quarterbacks in college football splitting time in the same game. What is going on at K-State? Well, they had 135 yards or so combined rushing uh, and touchdowns, and they had four passing touchdowns combined, Kevin. And Will Howard uh, ran for like 60 yards. So I think that one of the funny questions, before you get to the seriousness of this, is after the game is over, you're a K-State fan, you're going, I can't believe what I just saw. Nine series, it went back and forth like we're teaching kids a pattern. If Will Howard goes in first and Avery Johnson goes in second and Will Howard goes in the next time and Avery the next time, what's the pattern going to be? They continued it all the way through. Now, that is not part of the plan. That's how well these two guys played. They've taught these guys over now the four games. The last four games, Kevin, both quarterbacks have been geared up saying you're going to play. 
and be ready. And we don't want to, we don't know what the distribution is going to be. We really don't. And that's the way they went into this game as well. It just worked so perfectly that they kept going and going and going. Nine drives, and they scored on almost every single one of them. They drove into TCU territory, Kevin, every drive of the game. Every drive of the game. They had 406 yards at halftime. At halftime. They tapped the brakes. They huddled in the second half. They let nine different guys run the football, and they still had 587 total yards which is the sixth most in K-State history. Oh, by the way, they had a 588-yarder against SEMO earlier this year. So your first year ever, two games, the Cats have had 585 yards or more in the same season. So they are really doing some fantastic things. And I ask the funny question is, hey, fans, were you more impressed with Will Howard's running? It's all about how Avery can go for a touchdown on any single play. He has big runs throughout the game. Or are you more impressed with Avery Johnson's passing? Because a couple of throws he had, Kevin, were outrageous. He threw a fade early in the game down by the goal line to a freshman receiver who was just yeah. being mauled. I mean, just interference, throw the flag, holding, interference, holding. And the ball dropped in so perfectly and the receiver so good uh, that, oh, unbelievable. And then on third and like 10, finally K-State's going to have to punt, backed up, third and 10. Well, guess what happens? He throws a dime after reading the playbook. And looking at his progression, this is the key. He didn't say, we're going to throw it deep, because he ultimately did. He looked, Kevin, like you're supposed to. Here's number one over the middle. Here's number two. Here's my outlet. Oh, I'm going to go to number three or four in the progression, and he's flying down the field. So you didn't get to gear up and throw it, right? You just had to flick your wrist and throw it, and he dropped it down on the upfield number to a guy that was only open by a step or two. So I don't know what you're more impressed with, but they both are showing, hey, Will could run, Avery can throw, uh, this coaching staff, Colin Clyde quarterback, Chris Kleiman head coach, and these two young men, the integrity of these two guys are making it work. And I don't know what the sequence is going to be last week uh, where they played Texas Tech. It was two series for Will, and then we're going to see the third series Avery, kind of like we saw with Brad Smith and Chase Daniel from Missouri. Okay, remember that with Gary Pickle? He did that. Chase Daniel wasn't the starting quarterback, but he came in on the third series every game, and that might be his only series all game long. That's a, the way they did it with Avery, but then he was so good that they just kept with him. This time they said, well, let's don't wait for the third series. Let's go back and forth and, and see how it goes, and they never quit. Nine series, Will Howard had five, Avery Johnson four, and the combined stats of the two are off the charts. But I think something that I pointed out in postgame that people were hearing about last week but probably not focused in on Kevin right now, there's a culture with the 2023 K-State Wildcats. Every year is a new year. There's a culture, not just in the quarterback room, but throughout the team, the leadership of the guys and everyone from A to Z on the team has bought in for some reason to a culture of don't worry how many plays you have. Don't get down on yourself. We don't not believe in you. And you may be back playing a ton this game or next game. Don't worry about it. Because DJ Giddens ran for 200 yards against UCF. You don't think most people would say, give him the ball all the time. And then Treshawn Ward, was the guy who played the whole second half against Texas Tech, D.J. Giddens had to watch. So while Will Howard was watching over there, he was watching over there. We have two right guards that are taking turns playing, Kevin. We have two right tackles who are taking turns playing. You don't even notice when they switch out. They're like, when I'm in, I'm going to do my job. We are switching out, and obviously you always do it at wide receivers. You're doing it at tight end. There's three or four tight ends that are switching in and out all the time. That is happening, and in a defense nowadays, Kevin, they're rotating all the time. Defensive linemen don't get to play the whole game, not in the NFL. Even. You know, they play two-thirds, half of the snaps. So if, if your running back's got to sit over there and wonder for a half, like, why don't they like me? Why do they give the other guy all the opportunities? If you think like that, it's not going to fit. So everybody's really sacrificing right now, uh, and they're doing a great job of getting everyone to buy in. Will it work? Can you be hot? Will you sit on the sideline for one series or three series? You know, Kevin, we've never seen it before. We've never seen two quarterbacks function at a high level and keep the momentum of the it's team crazy. going. It's but I want to tell you, it's really been a four week. This is not week one. This is week four of these guys doing what the coaches are going to do. And most of it is question marks for the second, third, and fourth quarter, depending on how we think things unfold. Right. That's a, it's, it's something to watch. I'll tell you, because they, while they're similar, they both can run the football. Avery Johnson just brings a playmaking ability that very few athletes in college football have, and you see it. You see it the second he takes off and goes. 
that he's the fastest guy on the field. And uh, it's remarkable. Kansas State gets Houston this week. Then they're a big favorite against Houston. That's in Manhattan. Then Texas. And Texas has got some quarterback problems now, an injury there. K-State is playing better. All of a sudden, you could see a scenario where K-State, we'll talk about this much greater depth next week, uh, a scenario where K-State could be back involved in making a run at that Big 12 title game. So I, I, I think they're very excited in Manhattan right now, and they should be. They should. And the players have been through something, Kevin, that is very subtle to them that they probably don't notice, but I can identify for you and the listeners. Chris Kleiman right now is looking at his football team in their five and two. You know, many could be disappointed with that. Like, hey, defending Big 12 champions, I thought we're going to be better than this. I'll point out to you in his five years, five and two is the best record he's ever had after seven years, Kevin. And two times he was four and three. So kind of working their way through early season stuff. And then somehow in the middle, getting it figured out when a lot of people are wondering how good they are. And then momentum and becoming a much better team with confidence enrolling the second half of the year is not something that you count on when you give your team their goals for the year. Like, let's just settle in at five and two and give a couple games away and then let's hit it. No, but you see what I'm saying? The players look around and they've been in this situation last year when they made that run. When they beat Oklahoma State 48 to nothing, they turned into a different team. They just beat TCU 41 to three. Could that happen where they just rise their game up week after week after week? I'm telling you, the depth is strong because I just told you if a guy gets hurt, there's probably a guy who's rotating with him right now. So they got better depth. They're learning how to play. They're using new guys and young guys in certain situations that they hadn't had before, and they're not they're now veterans. So uh, it, there's a possibility here. I was with a group on Friday, and you know there's all kinds of questions. You know the big one being who's going to start. You know who's going to start. That's all they wanted to talk about. And I was like, TCU is a legitimate team. They are playing better, and their backs are to the wall. Expect them to play really well. If we could win this game, I told them because they want to know more about the season. Like, how do you see this unfolding? And I said, hey, if they win this game against TCU, because you got to figure out what you're going to do with the quarterback, if we get into a rhythm that works, they'll beat Houston. And I think that will create a momentum to finally go beat Texas. K-State at Austin has been better than Texas two of the three times they've gone there and lost all three. I mean, you couldn't make this stuff up the way they play. So like K-State at Oklahoma State, I think that's going to end this time. If K-State plays their best game, Texas is very willing to let you in the game. They just do. It doesn't matter if your name is Wyoming, Houston, whatever. They play to the level of their competition. So I, I told them, I thought if K-State beats TCU, that they'll win their next three and be a factor in this race. That's the game that gets them over the hump. Well, if they do win these I, games, Kevin, then they're in the, the real tiebreaker world of we can be oh, I'm, a part of the Big 12 championship I'm already race. calling KU over Oklahoma Saturday. Uh, it's it's coming. And that makes OU with one loss yeah. and KU with two. It's coming. And so there's still a lot of fighting to be done with a the lot. teams. But K-State's real entree, like the key to opens the door to be seriously concerning to the other teams, because there's going to be a lot of tiebreakers, you get concerned a lot if K-State beats Texas. Well, sure. Because Absolutely. that makes up for the loss against I, Oklahoma State. That's the one that really vaults them back into, hey, we're defending Big 12 yeah, champions. That'll be their season. And we got a big chance here. Yeah, that, that would that would definitely be their season. And and I I love, I, I'm telling you, I love Kansas Saturday against Oklahoma. There's just something about Oklahoma right now that's screaming out to me that, uh, yes, they beat Texas, but the OU-Texas game has never been a, a series that the best team wins. It's just never been that. And, and I'm not saying they're not better than Texas. They may be better than Texas. I just don't know that... I think we're putting Oklahoma because they haven't lost into a category maybe they don't belong in yet. That's just me. We'll we'll find out Saturday uh, when KU plays Oklahoma. I want to ask you about the Missouri Tigers because they're onto something really good here. Now they're going to take a break before they play Georgia on November fourth, but they're playing Georgia, and nobody thinks they're going to go to Athens and beat the best team in the country. I get all that. Stan, tell me about this matchup. What does it look like to you? Missouri is doing something that I had thought they were going to do this year. I thought the defense was going to be pretty good at Mizzou, that they had the parts, but they weren't getting it done. And now they did. They went out and ran the living daylights out of the ball, 159 yards for Schrader in this game against South Carolina. They they sacked Spencer Rattler six times in this game, just pestered him all day long with an easy 34-12 win. Missouri's just looking more and more complete to me. Can they play with Georgia? They can, and for a couple of reasons. You mentioned this game, but think of the last six quarters they played. Think at how well they played against Kentucky at Kentucky. 
down 14 to nothing, Kevin, they cleared them easily. I mean, they're like running a race and jogging in the last 30 yards, looking back at some Olympic event. You know, Kentucky was not dangerously close at the end of the game. And Missouri is playing a team that they don't like playing normally. A team that wants to run the ball, play physical defense, has a lot of pride, well coached by Mark Stoops. And Kentucky's kind of a team that Missouri struggles with, and they went out with them. Now, they always beat South Carolina. And so that put a little more pressure on them in my mind. Like, you got to go do it again because South Carolina acts like they're not in the SEC when they come here. They act like it's cold. They're lost. And Missouri said, welcome to the same thing. And just when they were ahead 21 nothing, snapping the fingers, Kevin, dominated them. That's a big stretch. That's a big stretch that they just put together. They just laughed at the disappointment of losing to LSU when they were the better team. But Daniels put on a Heisman Trophy performance, I thought, in the fourth quarter for LSU. I didn't think Missouri lost, even though you could say there are a couple interceptions that don't normally occur. So Missouri is showing they're legitimate. They totally look past that LSU loss that could have been a burden to them, and now they're rolling. They played Georgia's feet off last year, Kevin. They were better than Georgia for, oh, man, 56 minutes of playing time. Georgia barely got over the hump and won that game. Now, the thing about this game that's interesting is Missouri gets a week off. So they can come in rested and with an intricate plan. They can also say we're going to run one style of defense in the first half or offense and do it differently in the second half. They got time to do that, kind of that Bill Belichick thing. And they can also run some trick plays. When OSU was struggling and they played K-State that Friday night, they came out with like three trick plays in their first eight plays. So if you just go, we're the underdog, watch this. We're going to let our players play loose. Those things all come into play. Now, mainly, I think it's up to Georgia. Because Georgia played Kentucky, for instance, and there was a lot of hype, like this game's going to have. One of those teams you didn't expect to be in the same sentence with Georgia is coming to Athens. And, boy, let's get CBS TV there, Kevin, and get Derek, Gary Danielson, and let's talk about a giant game. You know, let's, let's talk like it's Alabama versus Georgia. The hype is there. And then what did they do to Kentucky? They smashed them. They go, get out of here. You're middle of the SEC East. You guys take turns who gets second or third or fifth, but you're not in the same sentence with us at Alabama and Michigan and Ohio State and national championship-level teams. But also, Kevin, South Carolina was better than Georgia for two-and-a-half quarters in Athens earlier this year. Mizzou fans, go back and watch that. South Carolina was beating up on Georgia, and they could not move the ball. Georgia couldn't move the ball. This Georgia team deserves all the credit in the world because it's hard to repeat, and it's really hard to repeat twice. No one's ever done it. Uh, did Minnesota do it in the 30s, maybe, three times? It's basically in modern history not been done, Kevin. Something pops up. It's hard to repeat the Super Bowl for teams like the Chiefs. It's hard to win national championships. This Georgia team is not the same guys that won two years ago, and even some of last year's guys are dotting NFL rosters all over the place. It's amazing how many pros they have. But at the end of the day, this Georgia team is susceptible to being competed with. I could make if we, we play this game out ten times, I'm going to give you six or seven of the games, Kevin, where it's a dead-even game. If Missouri keeps their composure, they can attack throwing deep. they got a quarterback who can run. they got an offensive line who can run, and the defense is solid. they got guys. They can play with Georgia all game long. But I do have to give you a little bit. If Georgia just decides they're going to respect Missouri and be worried about them and treat them like they're Alabama, that they could rise to a national championship level at home and just go, Kentucky, welcome. Missouri, welcome. So I expect it to be fairly close. I think Missouri's better than Kentucky. I think they match up better with Georgia. But this is up to Georgia, which means it's in play, Kevin. Mizzou can beat Georgia head-to-head without free plays, not like three turnovers and nothing or you know stupid plays like that. This Georgia team is just not quite as dominant, and it's hard. There's a big burden going around that locker room, Kevin, where now they're starting to play not to lose. Now, you're, you're supposed to stay undefeated. Stay undefeated. Could be sitting right there. I think it's going to be really, really exciting. It's a great time to be a Tiger fan in, a, in an absolutely wild college football season at this point. Stan, nobody brings it like you do. We appreciate all your thoughts. We wish you the very best, and we will talk to you again next week. Congratulations on the big wedding, you and Spencer, Bride, and welcome back to uh, the football world. It's a good place to come back to, Kevin, but I know you had fun down there. Uh, so I can't wait to see him as an old buried guy. Spencer, I remember when you were a little guy. A little guy. And now you're walking around with a ring on. I cannot wait to see him. So tell him congratulations, Bobby. Thank you so much, Dan. Really appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Take care. Okay. He is Dan Weber, and he brought it with the football feast, as he always does. Everybody wins this weekend. 
And Kansas has their game of the year coming up on Saturday to this point with Oklahoma. So even though they were off this week and didn't get a chance to play, it is all sitting right there. Stan Weber's appearance on KKHI is brought to you by North Kansas City Dental. Dr. Bill Bush could be your new dentist. His team of dentists are, well, they're masters at what they do. They're just terrific. This is unlike any other dental facility you've been to. Dr. Bush has basically invested in North Kansas City. He's, he's bought the building down there at Armor and Swift. The entire thing is all built out. It's just a, spe- a spectacular, comfortable, well-run operation for all your dental hygiene. NKCDental.com, 816-471-2911. Advantage Termite and Pest Control, residential and commercial. We don't talk a lot about the commercial side, but Advantage Termite and Pest Control can keep your business pest-free as well. Call Aaron and his team at Advantage and have them come out for a quote on what it may cost for your business to do business with Advantage Termite and Pest Control. 913-768-8989, online at AdvantageTPC.com. And Dr. Kip Van Camp at Ideal Health KC could be the solution to your pain, whether it's joint pain, COVID shot issues, inflammation, Whatever ails you, if it hasn't worked out going to somebody who's trying to give you a shot or a pill or do this there or whatever, why don't you consult with Dr. Van Camp at Ideal Health KC and find out if your body's tissue and blood can work for you. They do PRP blood spinning, patch therapy, ozone therapy, and of course, stem cell and tissue uh, research that he has been working on for years and years. Dr. Van Camp is Kansas City's expert for your body, your regenerative medicine, helping you, idealhealthkc.com. Final notes here on the football feast, and that is a couple of baseball notes. we got a couple of baseball games on Monday as we're getting close to the World Series. National League Championship Series Game 6, we were in Arizona all weekend, and, of course, a lot of people there talking about the Diamondbacks because you don't want to talk about the Arizona Cardinals all that much. True story. But the Diamondbacks are in a tough way. They're back in Philly for game six, and if they lose, the series is over four games to two. So the Diamondbacks living on the edge doesn't look like they're going to be advancing, but game seven tonight in the American League is Texas at Houston. Winner take all. The winner goes to the World Series. We have game seven, the American League Championship Series on Monday night, so that's kind of fun as well. Appreciate Stan Weber for being on. Can't thank you enough for hitting the play button. Don't forget to hit the like, follow, or subscribe button, or tell a friend that you think Kevin Keatsman has issues. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. (laughs) 